I'm JG Michael, and this is Parallax Views. Hello, this is Mike Swanson. In a few moments, you're going to listen to another segment of Parallax Views. But before you do that, let me tell you about my new book, Why the Vietnam War. It's a sequel to my previous book called The War State, which has lots of positive reviews and Amazon's been out for years. But this one is a more detailed case study of how American Empire National Security State operate using Vietnam. And I believe it shows also how things work today, how policy is actually made and why. So grab the book on Amazon.com, Why the Vietnam War. This edition of Parallax Views is brought to you by the $10 and above tier supporters of Parallax Views on Patreon. So, with that in mind, producers credit shoutouts to Gunner, Mark, Alexander, Catherine, Tilo, Emilia, Jeff, John, B. Lund, Brian, Elliot, Michael, Brace, Nick, Galen, Arlen, Bo, Gigadelic Media, Chance, Chase, Dan, David, Gary, Ishtofer, James, Martin, Matthew Ho, Nobody, Thomas, and Dano. And now on to the show. Sam Bradpiece has this story for us from Dakar. Tal Hanan is a 50-year-old former Israeli Special Forces operative known by his pseudonym Jorge. As part of a remarkable investigation, undercover journalists met with Hanan, posing as consultants working for a businessman looking to delay the holding of an election in Africa. During their meeting with Hanan, they secretly recorded what he said, and they heard Hanan boasting of how he had already influenced the results of 33 presidential elections. Hanan's team, known as Team Jorge, have operated over the past couple of decades in many countries around the world, including in Africa. To give you just a few examples, it's alleged that in 2019, here in Senegal, they used thousands of online bots to spread disinformation that would ultimately help President Macky Sall win re-election. In last year's election in Kenya, during the run-up to that election, it's alleged that they hacked top political aides, uh, particularly via the channels of Telegram and Gmail. It's also alleged that in the 2015 election in Nigeria, they launched a cyber attack on the phones of opposition candidates. Now, since this investigation has been published, Hanan has denied all wrongdoing. But what we're yet to see is politicians in Africa and across the world respond to the allegations that they used Hanan's bag of dirty tricks, notably hacking and disinformation campaigns, to subvert democracy. Hey there, Parallax Views listeners. What you just heard was a clip from a French news service concerning the developing story of Team Jorge, a group of private Israeli contractors led by a former Israeli Special Forces operator with intelligence expertise. 
that is accused of being engaged in malign mercenary cyber activities, election meddling, and disinformation campaigns across the globe. Dr. Emma L. Bryant, a fellow at Bard College and a researcher into propaganda and disinformation, joins us to discuss this again still developing story, as well as how it relates to the defense industry and the operations of what Dr. Bryant refers to as digital influence mercenaries. All that and much more on this edition of Parallax Views. And now on to the conversation with Dr. Emma L. Bryant. Welcome to Parallax Views, a guest that I'm very excited to be speaking with. I followed her work uh, on and off throughout the past few years. Dr. Emma L. Bryant, a fellow at Bard College and an expert in, I would say, information warfare, disinformation, and the puppeteers behind propaganda. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much. It's really nice to be invited to speak to you today. So if you could, uh, Dr. Bryant, maybe you could speak a little bit about how you became interested in the topics of disinformation and propaganda. I believe you've had this interest uh, going back all the way to the Iraq War. Yes, I actually did my um, doctorate uh, looking at um, Afghanistan and Iraq, and I was really very interested in um, what our governments were doing um, with their propaganda and how they were adapting to the, um, you know, new changing digital environment. Um, so I, I actually was looking at that time you know, of real kind of development of these kinds of new technologies and how they were being deployed um, in this kind of war on terror that was emerging, um, which, you know, actually we've seen um, a lot of these new technologies that we are now seeing entering into our po political um, realm, you know, um, you know, have been coming out of this kind of background. So um, I was actually interviewing people who were working for governments um, in the UK and in the US primarily, and uh, their contractors as well, because obviously a lot of the development of these kinds of new technologies was being farmed out to defense contractors. Um, so that was the root of my interest in all of this. And, you know, I've become increasingly interested in how these um, weapons of war have uh, migrated into both private sector and um, uh, and, and um, sort of political mar markets, elections, um, election hacking, and so on around the world, and and also you know how they've sort of merged with that sector. So it's not just that um, the defense industry has exported its tools into that into elections. It's also uh, that sort of marketing and all these other different kinds of what I call um, uh, the aspects of what I call the influence industry more broadly have become somewhat fused, and the lines have become very blurred between lobbying and um, you know even even um, sort of intelligence operations and marketing and digital advertising and all these kinds of like very covert manipulation tools. 
So I ended up uh, getting involved in exposing one of the campaign firms that I um, had been researching for years, Cambridge Analytica, in 2018 as part of my work. Um, I had uh, discovered this firm's uh, parent company, SCL Group, uh, who were working as a, um, uh, as a, as a defense contractor. Um, and I had interviewed them for my book and then, you know, was horrified to learn that they were, you know, moving into working in uh, the U.S. election now. Um, I, I had been watching, you know, the fact that they had been uh, working on some campaigns around the world. And I, I just got very, very interested in how they were redeploying their methods abroad. Could you just briefly maybe give an overview of what Team Jorge is and, and what we know about it so far? So this is an Israeli, um, uh, this is a, a company that was set up by an Israeli um, former intelligence agent um, called Tal Hanan. Um, and they seem to have been, you know, involved in 33 elections around the world, or so they claim. Um, I think this is, you know, really disturbing. And they seem to also go beyond, um, you know, j just elections. Um, I, I, there seems to be an awful lot of evidence of them working uh, for governments as well. It said uh, in the reporting that there were, um, well, they were claiming uh, half a dozen uh, intelligence agencies that they were working for. Um, so I think, you know, one of the really key issues here that they are using these kinds of methods that I've just described, including hacking, um, you know, there there is a really horrifying account where they uh, talk about somebody actually breaking into uh, email accounts and being able to send messages as the victim of the hack, you know, um, to their, you know, contacts. Um, these are really sophisticated kinds of intelligence techniques that are being used by this company for all sorts of, of different clients around the world. And, you know, it's it's a it's a company that has been working, apparently, they claim from the for the US government, which is really disturbing. Um, and I think something that hasn't been focused on enough in the reporting, the reporting somewhat glosses over the fact that our own governments seem to be hiring these companies still. And this was a really important point with Cambridge Analytica, with all of these kinds of companies, they, they have come out of the, you know, the defense industry, both in in Israel, but also working in other parts in other in other parts of Western Western countries, you know. Um, so apparently um, high ranking government officials have been hacked and, and alleged whistleblowers, um, you know, uh, have have been spreading blatant lies in, in Kenya. Um, and, and, you know, th these are places that are really, you know, already struggle with ethnic violence and you know um w you see these kinds of methods being deployed to de into very divisive ways that can result in violence in the country's concerned it's it's really no um no exaggeration to say companies like this have blood on their hands and what we you know what 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 we've seen in recent years, okay, with the Cambridge Analytica scandal, followed by all these other scandals in the defense, uh, you know, um, these in, in the um, influence mercenaries that we've seen exposed 
is absolute complete failure by our governments to do anything about this. We um, have seen no investment really in, in, in researching this kind of thing. Um, there is uh, there are claims within the reporting recently. I mean, these these are journalists that did an amazing job, I will say, in uncovering this. But there are claims that there are sixty of these countries around uh, companies around the world. Uh, another claim that there were eighty of these companies around the world. I'm sorry, but we do not know the extent to which this industry is proliferating. It's incredibly opaque, and governments are doing nothing to stop it at the moment. It is a massive industry. And um, what we need is, is both greater you know, efforts to research this and greater transparency. Um, but we also need, and I've called for this for years in my own work, um, and, and I, I made submissions to the British Parliament calling for this too, that we need better control over defense contractors. Um, we need to know that, that former CIA, former you know, um, in intelligence agencies from, um, you know, Mossad, for instance, and and so on. These personnel are not being redeployed in elections uh, for, you know, despots around the world. How are we going to stop this? Well, our governments have to play a really serious role in, you know, investigating and reviewing their own processes to prevent uh, these people um, working in elections after they've been, uh, you know, working for the intelligence community doing these kinds of, of, of activities. Um, at the moment, there is really no, um, you know, no decent effort at all into looking at what these veterans of this industry do with their skills after their employment by the government finishes. Um, and there isn't enough assessment and oversight of, of these kinds of companies. And just look at what happened last year with the um, takedowns of the US Pentagon's um, psyops by Facebook and um, uh, Twitter, you know, they, they took these uh, fake news posts and, and fake accounts down uh, that the US government had used for years in elections, not in elections, sorry, in, in, in their um, operations uh, in, in different conflict zones around the world. Um, and they, um, you know, they took these these fake personas down, similar to the kind of thing we're talking about here. So fake personas that have been created for spreading um, their mostly truthful, but in, in some occasions there was also false claims. Um, and the finger in that reporting was being pointed at contractors that were not being properly, you know, having proper oversight. Well, you know, governments in the West absolutely have to um, strengthen their oversight of these contractors, not only to stop them doing things that they shouldn't be doing um, in, in our own military operations, but also to prevent them redeploying those tactics that they have 
developed for what are generally considered legitimate military purposes, um, including deception operations for governments, uh, for, you know, attacking elections or, you know, for high net worth individuals like Weinstein to harass people, to working for the Saudis, for example, or, or you know, in order to, you know, target dissidents. We've seen we've seen companies, you know, in recent years, there's there's this massive infrastructure there, which we don't yet have a handle on um, that we both need more research into. Unfortunately, there's very little research funding available. I've, I've been looking myself. I've built a database myself of 1,500 companies, and I'm desperately trying to get funded to actually do decent work looking into this industry, the, the larger industry in which this sits. But unfortunately, there has been very little interest in um in actually investigating this problem and giving policymakers the data and the you know analysis that they need in order to respond to the problem, um, you know I I don't understand why we're not looking both at our own contracting processes because we mustn't be you know this mustn't be an acceptable export um, market you know for for Western companies um, we absolutely have to act to regulate properly. Um, but also, you know, looking at the wider industries um, and how they are being deployed against us. Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, there needs to be a great deal of additional work in this area. Just for clarification, because I don't want people getting confused about this Team Jorge story. The yeah. Team Jorge is a, it's a private contractor, so it's not the Israeli government. And I want people to oh, be no, no, no. very, very yeah. clear about that. I mean, there's there's indirect connections with uh, former intel officials and whatnot. That it's a former intelligence operative who set up his own company and then that is then going off and uh, working around the world. Um, the issue of responsibility when it comes to the Israeli government is one of you know should they not be um, being more careful about oversight when it comes to these kinds of firms. Uh, that, you know, uh, spin off from the um, defense industry of that country. So it sounds like you're saying there's, um, I don't know if the term would be revolving door, maybe like an escalator from, you know, working in, in government yeah. agencies or intelligence to working for some of these uh, different firms, I guess, cybersecurity firms and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I have described it in, in uh, you know, described a sort of a, revolving door before i i don't i think you're right it's more like an escalator when it comes to these kinds of uh very um unethical kind of uh you know um coercive kind of industries that you know deploy abroad and so on in these kinds of uh hostile ways i i think generally those people aren't then coming back into government but they're certainly you know um these kinds of firms are, are certainly also hired as contractors. So I think this is one of the issues is what happens after people leave military service, um, what they're allowed to do. And I think it's very concerning what they're, you know, if, 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 if there is not enough both, you know, support and guidance for, you know, what people should be doing after they leave military service and, you know, what com companies might also be doing in addition to working for you know governments when it comes to these kinds of activities are enough questions being asked 
um, it doesn't seem like it, particularly when we have also, you know, we can point to the people, um, you know, like General Flynn, who've gone off uh, out of the military and, you know, launched um, huge, uh, you know, um, new careers, basically, based on conspiracy theory mongering um, and, 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 you know, hostile operations that undermine uh, democratic countries. I mean, this is just horrifying to sit to watch and there's very little being done really about this kind of um uh byproduct of our defense industry and i think it needs to be seen as a byproduct of our defense industry in order for us to actually really address the issue um there are many people I, I should say there are many people who go into private sector from being a veteran and, and work in influence operations who, who aren't uh, deploying against, you know, democratic countries and meddling and hacking in elections, of course. Um, but there needs to be proper regulation and a kite mark like to show that, that, that actually this is an ethical company that is, uh, you know, we, we are adhering to certain standards of ethics um, and, you know, pre preventative measures are in place to stop this kind of, um, uh, you know, incredibly corrupt activity. When we talk about uh, these technologies that Team Jorge or firms like Cambridge Analytica are using, what exactly are the technologies? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of uh, technologies being deployed here. Um, so we're seeing, you know, a range of different tools. And I think a couple of the ones in the recent reporting that we've seen, um, uh, which also um, were used by Cambridge Analytica, are what's known, you know, uh, rather colloquially and, and I suppose, um, uh, you know, um, dismissively or, or, you know, um, propagandistically uh, is called um, reputation management. So it, it sounds so much nicer when you say it that way. But really what this is doing is, um, you know, enabling um, this this industry, its, its primary purpose tends to be um, working with uh, high, you know, net worth or powerful individuals um, for things like, you know, essentially rewriting history, you know, uh, pressuring for um, things to be removed from the internet. So there was a firm that was reported on in recent weeks called Eliminalia, that is one such firm based in uh, Spain. And, you know, this is the, um, the you know, the practice of commercial censorship, basically. Uh, the ability for um, powerful actors to essentially reverse time on scandals that might have implicated them or things that they wish they disagree with uh, that are online, that have been reported even by journalists. Um, and companies, you know, so private industry as well, don't forget, um, can use these laws to um, essentially get things, well, they would say corrected. Um, but that also means, you know, things that, uh, you know, we need to know about are getting removed from the internet as well. So, you know, public interest information. Um, and so these, these laws that are supposed to be about right to um, 
the right to be forgotten. So, for instance, if you um, if, if there are you know very reasonable reasons why somebody might have you know um, been subject to a s- smears and things that are not true, where they might try to to you know um, you know repair their reputation and so on. But this the, the the legitimate uses for these kinds of tools are very few, and the abuses are are extreme. So these kinds of um, you know censorship tools are used in conjunction with um, data gathering and, um, you know, profiling tools and things like this, surveillance tools that might be used both for um, profiling individuals based on their um, their data um, behavior and so on online and, and, and even hacked information, um, but also weaponizing information to harm people and maybe mislead about them uh, based upon real information that's being, you know, um, uh, falsely represented, uh, perhaps to attack them, um, and 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 uh, you know um, smear their character, but also you know then combining that with other tools, so um, uh, the use of of um, of disinformation. Um, fake profiles and and um uh astroturfing so this kind of mass use of fake accounts and so on farms right yeah all of this kind of thing but also doing things like setting up fake websites that look like news um setting up fake ngos um you if you look at um this new contractor that was highlighted this team jorge the Israeli contractor that was recently linked to Cambridge Analytica um, in the uh, Forbidden Stories reporting, um, they were using this software called AIMS, which looks incredibly sophisticated. Um, They seem to be able to um, create a fake profile, a persona um, that has, you know, where they can actually, you know, get this new identity with a phone number attached to it, um, with a, a digital fit footprint where they can sign up to uh, Facebook, to LinkedIn, to all of these different um, online uh, profiles that you would expect an ordinary human, a real person to have, to make it look authentic and to give that fake account credibility uh, in order to you know, operate it in a more uh, believable kind of way. This means if you're encountering these fake profiles online and you want to check this person out because you're sensible and you think, well, you know, maybe this isn't really a, a real person, you know, and you have a few doubts and you're trying to be careful, you 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 search and that person has all of these guys. They have a LinkedIn, they have a, you know, and so you're like, okay, this seems to be a real person. And so it's creation of an incredibly sophisticated array of manipulative devices an architecture of manipulation, if you like, putting together this, the, the censorship, the, you know, infiltration of, of um, the internet uh, across different platforms, um, and also accompanying that with efforts to influence the media. So one of the interesting aspects of this as well was what they did in France. So um, they, uh, in, in France, they had, um actually got in touch with a a major news organization where... When you say they, you're talking about Team Jorge or... Yes, Team Team Jorge. So they they got in touch with a, a, you know, they had a contact at one of the, you know, biggest um, 
French news organizations. And they were feeding stories to this news organization, essentially, um, in order to, uh, you know, try to get their narrative out in the news. Um, they, you know, had the information ready. They go to the journalist. The journalist takes the information, puts out a news story. Um, and this is, you know, it may well be reliable information. I've, I'm not sure. It doesn't go into detail in the reporting. But um, essentially, the, the journalist is putting out a, a, a verified, um, very credible, um, but, you know, widely believed um, story that then gets amplified by Team Jorge because this is credible media reporting that supports what they are pushing out. And so that then also becomes part of this wider influence operation, whether it's with, you know, the, the censorship, the all of these fake personas and so on to boost it. Now, the reporting in question went out at like early morning, let's say five o'clock in the morning. And normally, the media organization's stories would not really go viral at that time in the morning, you know, that it wouldn't really be picked up widely. Um, but the the journalist and the news organization, they get extra amplification because of this Team Jorge array of fake accounts that's boosting this story. So essentially, you know, the, you know, through, through the fact that social media thrives on this attention economy and the engagement that's created by these fake accounts, it, it not only makes money for the platforms, it makes also, you know, greater reach for the news organizations. And so in a sense, they are also benefiting from this fake engagement that they are getting from uh, people like Team Jorge. So this kind of, you know, unethical activity by these companies is really corrupting. Um, it may well silence voices of other perspectives, because if you think about it, that story probably wouldn't have gained much traction if it weren't for Team Jorge placing it and then boosting it. And that may well be you know, drowning out other narratives on that particular issue that they have put into the media. So even if it's, you know, part of an array of, of these kinds of, uh, like a credible element, that it, it, it is forming a function across the entire influence operation that is quite distorting. Um, and it's, it's a really concerning relationship that's being revealed between companies like this, which is, an, you know, an Israeli... Um, uh, you know, influence um, mercenary firm and the conventional mainstream media organizations that we all respect and trust. Um, so I, I think it was really important to kind of make that um, connection between all these different elements of an influence operation that this kind of company is um, is deploying simultaneously often enough for different, um, you know, actors around the world, be they governments, be they uh, high net worth individuals or companies or political parties. And it's really disturbing to see that Team Jorge had been working for 33 different um, clients around the world, they were saying, uh, three, in 33 different countries, I think it said, uh, in, in the Despiegel uh, reporting. Um, so, I, I mean, the whole thing is just huge. That's just one company. 
Oh, it was 33 different elections around the world. So, I mean, that's just really disturbing um, that they are working so extensively in relation to elections. And in elections, we're talking about voter suppression as well. Um, and a lot of the work that they're doing is in the global south, of course. They actually specify that they don't want to do anything to oppose Putin. Um, so one, you know, must ask why. Um, but interestingly enough, it also um, said that um, they have worked for um, U.S. Uh, national security agencies. Well, that's incredibly disturbing, uh, if so. And I think that needs investigating further. Um, it's another example we saw in the Cambridge Analytica scandal as well with that firm who had been selling their wares to um, Western governments at the same time that they were, um, you know, uh, approaching the, the Russians. So I, I think there needs to be, and I've said this for years, I wrote about this, you know, during the Cambridge Analytica scandal, um, you know, this makes Western you know, governments very insecure, actually. And we need to be doing better when it comes to our responsibilities for the rest of the world and, and human rights abuses that firms that we are, you know, hiring and and um and 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 essentially, you know, fueling and creating and 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 uh infrastructure we're creating for um you know, for our own influence operations, you know, how this is being redeployed, um, you know, how many of these countries around the world were actually democracies. Um, I think it's also important, you know, they say about they don't work in US politics. Well, you know, in politics. So what does that mean exactly? Should Americans not be worried? I mean, actually, I think it doesn't say they wouldn't work for commercial companies or uh, for high, high net worth individuals. And if you look at the example, for instance, of Black Cube. I was going to say Black Cube. I yeah. thought you were going to go there. Black Cube was yeah. hired, I think, by Weinstein, right? Yeah, Party exactly. Weinstein. Okay. So that's not US politics, but it's a horrendous abuse of these kinds of, of, of uh, you know, weapons against US citizens within the United States by a US citizen. Um, and, you know, it just because it's not necessarily in an election or isn't being deployed, you know, by an, a, a campaign, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not being, uh, you know, having an incredibly coercive and unethical role, potentially, if they are still working in these kinds of areas commercially. Um, you know, I, I think, that we shouldn't, um, you know, we, sh we shouldn't um, forget that these these companies work in all sorts of different ways um, and can compose a threat to the country, not just in elections. So I, I think, you know, um, there's a tendency to think, oh, well, it's only Indonesia, Nigeria and Bosnia, those sorts of places. It happens anyway. You know, people dismiss um, you know, the, the the fact that this is happening in places other than the United States. And miss the importance of this neo-colonial kind of horror based on the fact that these are, you know, places that are weak democracies. Well, we have an even greater responsibility um, not to be working with companies that are 
messing up elections in in places that you know could potentially be destabilized around the world you know our, our governments have a responsibility to human rights here you know or they at least you know they make claims to and you know we need to be holding them to account yeah i just wanted to add so for people that don't know uh, just to give some background uh, Black Cube, I think, was hired by Harvey Weinstein and his people uh, to sort of discredit all these uh, women that made allegations against him. That's just for folks that uh, were unfamiliar with the reference we were making there. And I, th- I think it's important what you brought up about the uh, the global South and developing countries. Uh, we should care about these countries. Yeah. I think it's kind of grotesque to say, oh, well, it's not the U.S. or it's not the West. Why should we care? And I believe Team Jorge, you know, some of the countries that they targeted included Kenya, Nigeria is another one. So I was also going to ask, so we've we've mentioned Team Jorge, Black Cube, and also Psy Group, which we haven't talked as much about. Uh, I know there's many organizations, but those three in particular have gotten uh, a bit of news coverage, and I think they all have origins, ties to Israel. Why yeah. Why is that? Like, what what's the connection there between these kind of firms and Israel? Is it just a matter of, I guess, the... Uh, funding that is given to cybersecurity and that industry by the Israeli government? Or what What are the factors that, that lead some of these countries to pop up specifically in Israel? Well, Israel has had its own, um, you know, uh, national security uh, concerns um, for years going back, well, since the dawn of Israel, really, um, around, you know, its relationship with the Palestinians and so forth. Um, They have used, you know, I mean, there's been countless uh, human rights abuses um, by the Israelis against Palestinian citizens, which, you know, um, and and of course, you know, also Israelis have, you know, genuine um, security concerns. There's a lot of, um, you know, investment in, uh, their intelligence services and national security services to advance uh, technologically uh, these kinds of in, in, intelligence and um, and, and in influence operations. Um, and what the Israelis have done um, is basically privatizing a lot of this. They have been in a, you know real innovators in terms of putting money out into private industries uh, in order to build their own intelligence services uh, in a commercially viable way. And in Israel, the intelligence services, like everybody in Israel has to do, you know, conscription into the military and so on. And so you have a huge amount of people going through the national security services who then come out and need to go back into private sector or, or you know back into working after you know their service and they are highly skilled in these kinds of operations and activities now there has been you know that the the department of defense in in israel is supposed to um you know, uh, oversee this and and is supposed to govern um, who is allowed to work abroad in what kinds of, you know, capacities. And they are not supposed to be operating in these kinds of, um, you know, uh, incredibly concerning, you know, you know, hacking of elections and so forth around the world. But it's going on, clearly. Um, And, you know, there have been writers who've talked about there being 
um, you know, a practice of looking the other way with this kind of thing. So I think, you know, Western governments in general need to, um, I mean, you know, I think I think it's not just Israel. Okay, I mean, Israel is the biggest. It is the biggest industry in the world when it comes to uh, these kinds of intelligent private intelligence. Um, Russia gets talked about a lot, but I think isn't quite so technologically advanced as Israel. Um, that said, it's you know doing incredibly unethical things around the world with its technologies too, and deploying a lot of these Israeli firms, as we see. Uh, Team Jorge, you know, had a lot of links to Russia from from what these articles are saying and did not oppose Putin in anything that it does. So I think this is really important. Um, but, you know, when it comes to Israel, uh, we need to be, um, you know, really putting pressure on this government in order to, you know, get them to take this seriously. And it's not good enough that our own governments like the United States are also looking the other way on this, apparently. You know, I, I am not impressed to hear that this is a company that has been working for the US government and still doing this election meddling abroad. How are they still getting away with doing this? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's concerning to me anyway that that Western governments are potentially doing this kind of activity and hiring firms like this. But the fact that they are also working abroad, where what are we doing to stop this happening? What are we doing to stop these these companies that are working for the Pentagon or, or the intelligence agencies or wherever it might be? I don't know. Also working for hostile actors abroad or the Weinsteins or the, you know, um, I, you know, it's just disgusting that we are not talking about this enough. Uh, so before closing out, are there any other key points you think we should bring up specifically in relation to uh, the Team Jorge case? Because I, I think we've been talking a, a little bit about the bigger picture, but are there any specific aspects of the reporting on uh, Team Jorge that have stood out to you? A any uh, specific activities they've been alleged to have been involved in that you think uh, people should know about? I mean, I think the thing that stood out most to me from this, which you rarely get with these discussions about disinformation, is because you, and this is applies to the Cambridge Analytica case too, because you essentially cracked a firm open and opened it up and looked at everything it's doing, you actually get to see how complex activities are related. And so you you see that that what's taking place here is a, a hack. And there may be another company that is being deployed for you know, the campaign itself, which then looks nice and squeaky clean. So you have deniability, oh, we weren't involved in anything like that, because another company might be being deployed for that. And you have another company that might be being deployed for, um, you know, data harvesting and, and analysis. You might have another company that might be, uh, you know, hired for um, eradicating things from the from history, yeah, um, and censorship on the internet. And I think the thing that people often miss is this kind of of, of architecture that's in place. It's not just Cambridge Analytica that's coming for your elections. It's not just, um, you know, politicians lying. It's not just about Facebook or Twitter. And we spend a lot of time talking about those companies. They can't even see 
what team Jorge is doing and who it's partnering with all across this architecture. It, you know, they may know a little bit more than you and I do, but, you know, if we're really going to take this on, we have to be thinking in terms of this massive hidden architecture that we're not even talking about right now. And um, I think that's also something that ordinary citizens can't do a great deal about in terms of their, um, you know, fact checking and, and you know, digital um, literacy online. Um, there's only so much somebody is going to be able to do when a company like Team Jorge has, uh, a, a, you know, software that it can use to um, create a human profile with uh, fake phone numbers, uh, you know, uh, LinkedIn accounts, Facebook accounts, all these different things. How do you know that that is not a real, you know, uh, the your, most people are not going to have the sophistication to be able to investigate all of these accounts, even the, you know, the media platforms and social media platforms are not aware often what is behind uh, what they're encountering. So let's say this um, this French journalist that I mentioned earlier, he may well have, you know, met uh, his contact at Team Jorge um, numerous times and taken information. He may well not have known, although you might want to ask why he didn't ask questions about, you know, their involvement in the sudden surges of, of engagement in his stories. Um, but he may well not have known or certainly didn't ask enough questions, perhaps, if, if material, where material might have been obtained from, you know, and I think this happens a lot is there's so many different pieces going on and fit into this picture. There are many different like actors that are responsible here. So I think what we need is to highlight the uh, importance for policymakers in particular, and to put pressure on policymakers to do something about not just social media platforms, but this whole architecture that's been hidden and that's only really we're scraping the surface of revealing. Is it fair to call this like the, if you had to give uh, this architecture a name, would you say that it's like the, I I was going to say, it sounds like it's the uh, influencer industrial complex. Well, I'm calling, so I'm I'm calling the wider industry, which includes the ethical, or I'm not saying necessarily ethical, but not mercenary activities. I I generally call that the, um, the influence industry. So I'm, when I talk about the digital influence industry, I'm including things like digital marketing, you know, targeted advertising, lobbying, um, all of these kinds of strategic communications firms and all these kinds of things. Um, you know, some of the stuff that they do might be a little bit unethical at times, but isn't necessarily illegal and is generally accepted to be commercial practice. Yeah. Um, Within that, there is a subset of of what I call the um, digital influence mercenaries. And those are the ones that are working for coercive clients and with coercive and, you know, really aggressive practices of the kind that we've been talking about today. So disinformation actors and so on. Um, And I, I think that is the subset of industry that needs the most regulation. But really, you know, we we have been talking a lot about digital advertising in general as as being far too, you know, um, invasive and and make and 
raising privacy con right, raising privacy concerns and so on. So I, I think even the wider industry, uh, because of its data practices and 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 generally, you know, how it's um, evolved uh, through, you know, its profit orientation towards kind of manipulative techniques. Um, you know, I, I think the whole industry needs needs looking at, but we really need a better handle on this subset that works for, you know, um, authoritarian governments that is working in our elections using hacking, using, you know, incredibly concerning surveillance practices and spyware and disinformation and so on. We don't know enough about what, how big that industry is. And can you really briefly just reiterate the importance of looking at the defense industry in terms of this problem? Yeah, I mean, they have a responsibility to protect us, right? And, you know, um, that also, you know, I mean, that the, the kinds of practices that um, maybe, you know, like, uh, arguably um, legitimate in warfare, uh, involving kind of uh, deceptive activities, fake accounts, and so on. Uh, you, they, these are activities that are supposed to be, you know, targeted at enemies and so on. And our governments, you know, hire companies to to do this kind of work when they're, you know, um, trying to um, uh, tackle terrorism and so forth. Um, they have a responsibility to make sure that these companies aren't then going off in the rest of the time when they're not working for the US government, um, selling these uh, kinds of technologies to foreign leaders like, uh, you know, you know, potentially the Russians or other um, other actors that, you know, where we have a responsibility to human rights in elections around the world and so on. That the impact of that is is so destabilizing, and I think that's something that you can't actually measure. And I think this is a problem that we, you know, will increasingly face in in years to come. And they need to wake up to their own responsibility for this, because you know, if they are if they are hiring these firms uh, on some of the time, they have a responsibility for what they are doing beyond that with the methods that they are developing and enabling uh, these companies to kind of grow and, and sell on. Um, if you've got, if you look at the way that these companies sell themselves, they are also billing themselves on the background that they have in the CIA and in the Israeli intelligence agencies. They, this is a selling point for these kinds of companies. And, you know, it's really important that um, our defense, uh, our, our, you know, um, Department of Defense in the United States and Ministry of Defense in the UK and the Israeli, um, uh, you know, oversight um, is, is strengthened. Um, we're seeing, you know, really, you know, so many different um, uh, examples of weak oversight by, you know, Western governments in these kinds of respect. And it is the sort of thing that turns around and uh, under undermines our own elections and our own uh, security and, and uh, human rights around the world. I want to let you get going, but one of the reasons that I had you on the show was uh, a, a lot of my listeners are interested in Israel and Palestine, and I, I, I one of them reached out to me and said, can you cover this Team Jorge story? Okay. How would you say that the Team Jorge story, why should it matter to both Israelis and Palestinians? What What's the significance to their lives? Like, wh how is this important to them 
uh, politically? Is there any importance you would say to that? Well, I think Israelis should care what their government is doing, not only um, against Palestinians and, you know, um, that, but also when it comes to human rights around the world. Um, I, th I think also there's a great deal of, I mean, I, I think, yes, Palestinians should care, but Palestinians care, you know, I mean, they have enough to care about right now, <laughs> being the the target of, or the original target of, of, of companies like this, don't forget, you know, um, uh, of, of the, the people who were working um, previously. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, I, I think actually, if anything, it's, it's, it's the rest of the world that needs to really wake up. I don't see the Israeli government changing uh, anytime soon without significant pressure from uh, people, you know, overseas <laughs> in the United States in particular, which has, you know, uh, you know, it's most um, its closest relationship is with Israel and it has a responsibility to uh, protect not only the United States, but also, uh, you know, ensure stability you know, around the world isn't compromised by uh, these kinds of aggressive technologies, which seem to be creeping out into the rest of the world. We've we've seen, you know, the the spyware scandal with Peg Pegasus and so yeah, on. Yeah, the NSO group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, NSO group. Um, and and there seems to be action being taken there finally. But like, it it seems like a lot of these companies are operating in such a way where they are like, oh, we just won't tackle we, we won't attack us elections in order to not get any kind of response from the us so if we avoid undermining the uh, the us and its elections we can get away with anything we like around the world seems to be the common factor here now that's not good enough and actually you know uh i think governments like the united states need to wake up to the fact that um you know this is a connected world um, you know, these are um, tools that are going to be causing instability in other places that they then have to respond to. Corruption in other parts of the world will play back on the United States. So if you are, you know, uh, like, for instance, in the UK, with, with London being this money laundering center, do you think that only affects you know, other places, it doesn't affect us. Well, look at our elections and our, you know, um, our Brexit referendum and all of these kinds of, uh, you know, uh, horrifying things that are destabilizing, uh, you know, movements worldwide advanced by the Russians as well, um, you know, that are um, all being financed through these kinds of money laundering and so on practices um, and, and, and shady business practices that we've seen developing that we looked away. Oh, it's OK. Um, you know, we, you know, these are things that, you know, we can profit from. Well, we're not going to really worry about the rest of the world. Well, the rest of the world, it comes back to uh, to bite you eventually. Um, and we've seen far right move movements you know, rising across Europe. We've seen, you know, the Ukraine war break out. We are now realizing that we are having to take responsibility for uh, that crisis too. Um, and, and, you know, if we actually behaved 
more responsibly in terms of making sure that money laundering couldn't happen, making sure that these these kinds of private hacking firms weren't and 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 influence firms were not able to be abused. This would go a long way towards um, limiting our you know, uh, role in creating these kinds of, of problems. Because I think, you know, if you look at the, the spate of far-right disruption by, by Russia across Europe, you know, this is the sort of thing, this, this sort of destabilization that is going to make it harder and harder in the future, you know, with them manipulating refugees and, and, and so on. We are going to really struggle when it comes to climate change with disinformation. You know, these are global problems that are being manipulated by campaigns run by firms just like this one. And we are supposedly going to be, you know, addressing climate change and all this kind of thing. Well, how are we going to do that if we don't deal with things like this? Well, I want to thank you again, Dr. Emma L. Bryant. I hope we can speak again in the future. How can my listeners keep up with your work and support your work? Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I have a, a, a Patreon. Um, uh, so that would be Patreon forward slash Emma L. Bryant. Um, and I also have a, a website, www.emma-bryant.co.uk. And I'm on Twitter at Emma L. Bryant and uh, on Mastodon as well. If you've uh, <laughs> fallen out with Elon Musk, <laughs> uh, do follow me there. Um, I, I have a lot of publications on this subject um, and I have a forthcoming, actually two forthcoming books, including the Routledge Handbook on the Influence Industry. So do look out for that and check out my website and sign up for my email list. I'm looking forward to hearing from you all as well. If you have any questions, I'd be delighted delighted to hear from you. Well, that does it for this edition of Parallax Views. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Emma L. Bryant. As always, if you appreciate the work here I do at Parallax Views, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. One more time, that's patreon.com slash parallaxviews. And with that being said, until next time, You've been listening to Parallax Views with Parallax Views to Parallax Views with The way out is not simply to say don't do it, just to prohibit. If nothing else, if we don't do it, others will be doing it like right. So you know we have to confront the problem. But no, basically. Basically, I'm, I know of the great anxiety problems, new forms of control, but it's also new forms of freedom. This is why I always emphasize that uh, uh, internet and all this new digital stuff, it's a very ambiguous phenomenon, but it's the field of struggle. New forms of enslavement, but at the same time, new incredible forms of freedom. We have to accept the fight. With no nostalgia for old, allegedly more authentic communities or whatever. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.